Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast where we try and improve our FPL play through a more analytical approach. Um, yep, yeah, it's really nice to be back on the podcast, and I'm not joined by a normal host this week, but joined by Sertop. Sertop, how are you doing, mate? Doing well. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, it's really nice to meet you because we've interacted on Twitter loads over the last year, maybe even maybe even two years. But you know, it's great to properly meet someone, not in person, but meet them face to face. Um, yeah. yeah, and thanks so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. And yeah, how's things going in, in general and in FPL as well? How's your season been so far? Yeah, in general, personally, I think I'm doing well. Uh, but I'm a little bit exhausted due to parenting. Yeah. Uh, we got our uh, baby in March, so I'm just learning as I go. But due to parenting, it's a little bit tiring nowadays. Yeah. And FPL is not going well i can say i mean i'm it's not the worst obviously there are uh uh, some ups and downs but i had more downs than ups this season so far Uh, but how is your fpl season going yeah um it's good i think it's going well so far i'm I'm, i had a bad first two weeks and then it's been fairly decent since then i think my ranks i think seven or eight hundred k something like that which feels feels good for this point in the season at this stage and yeah, and congratulations yeah, on good. congratulations on becoming a parent as well. That's great. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, um, yeah. And I suppose just to introduce Sertarp as well. Sertarp uh, runs FPL Optimized podcast um, with Baz, and then also uh, is the creator of FPLOptimized.com, which a lot of you uh, will have used before. So there's lots of interesting things we can ask him, and we'll show some of the uh, data from that website and some of the tools you can use on it as well throughout the podcast. Um, yeah, and yeah, Sertops is a general kind of bit of a data genius from what I gather uh, as well. <laughs> um, what I'll do is, uh, in terms of our last game weeks, we can actually just show uh, yeah one of those tools from the website in terms of the live game week. So sorry to have to show you this, Sertop. <laughs> you, you might not want to, you might not want to look at this. I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> it's okay. I'm um, so do you want to just kind of talk through this Sertop and what this kind of means? Um, yeah, sure. Um, so this graph actually, so the idea came from like seeing the projected points on FBI reviews website and then I didn't know which games I should have been watching I mean I will talk about this probably uh, within the episode but um, I don't watch that much football so I was like Mm -hmm. if I'm playing FPL I would like to watch you know a game or two every week so I was wondering you know which game brings me the more upside so then the idea came to me that, oh, I can actually plot this with, with the time being the x-axis and then y-axis will show me how much um, points I'm gaining uh, against the field. Um, so then this chart actually shows you how much point you are expected to gain or lose against the field. That's basically it. And field, you can define it as you know top 1 million, top 1k, 100k, whatever. We also have the prime sample, which I use by default. These are the most successful FPL managers in the last you know, few seasons. Uh, it's a list of managers that FPL research compiles, actually. Mm-hmm. So in this chart, then the yellow, this dashed line, shows you where you are expected to gain or lose points against the field. But as we know, <laughs> the reality is often much different than what we are expecting. The blue line, the blue solid line shows how much you actually gained or lost against the field. 
so if your blue line is in general is on like on top of the yellow line it means that you are having a better game week than you should have been getting you know especially yeah. i mean you know based on the projection models i can say yes um, yeah but so then as it... you see here yeah Go ahead. I was just going to say, is the yellow line based on uh, FPL Review's free model? Is that correct? That's correct, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's also a functionality in FPL Optimize that you can actually load other models to, like FPL Review's premium model, you can load it if you want to use that one. But by default, when you visit, you are actually using the free data. Mm. Yeah, nice. And I guess that it also kind of shows you... Um, kind of your mood after a game week is massively determined by the last game so for example on yours yeah. here you can say you started really well so you above expected the whole game week and then even though you finished above where you expected so the big picture is it was a better game week than expected um even though that's the case it feels awful because you didn't i presume you didn't have any newcastle players for the last game whereas yeah you know if you reverse that game week if newcastle had played first on a friday night and the last fixture had been whatever that twelve thirty game is now. I can't remember now. All those three PM games, like you'd be probably be quite buzzing right now that you actually made that comeback. <laughs> so the order of the games like makes a massive difference because you raise your hopes and then it completely can completely yeah. swing in one game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, people always say that don't check your rank. You know, mid game week it is misleading, <laughs> but I I always do yeah. somehow. And yeah. you're right. I mean, this chart is actually shows how I felt during the week. So I was really, you know, buzzing mid-game week and then the castle game happened. So I, I, now I feel like my game week was you know, bad, even though I finished with a positive like increase, like I got mm. a green arrow, but it felt like it felt like a big punch at the end of the game week. So I, I yeah. still feel it. And who was who it you had in the 3 p.m. games there set up on Saturday that got you that good start? Uh don't know actually uh, yeah or might have been not having alvarez maybe uh yeah yeah that's correct that's correct i don't have alvarez yeah, yeah. i had son who scored oh, there you go. goals this yeah. game week yeah which is always also interesting but yeah i had a good game week and then it finished pretty average it felt yeah. like i'll just um i'll switch over to mine which is Complete opposite. Well, kind of. <laughs> I it looks, it. Looks, looks like I'm showing off now, doesn't it? Um, but <laughs> well, basically, it did as expected the whole way, but was slightly below. You know, it was a bit of underwhelming. I think maybe that was the five thirty game on the Saturday that was underwhelming or something. And then didn't have Son or Madison, so I was like, you know, it's really frustrating that they blanked and then suddenly they, you know, Son braces against Arsenal. But you know, owners of Son, you know, they probably got what they deserved after him blanking against Sheffield United. <laughs> And I was all set. I was, in my head, I was thinking, well, if Newcastle, because I had Botman and Trippier, I was thinking, well, if they get a clean sheet, I'll probably go up to where I was expected. And then, yeah, the mm-hmm. first first half was crazy to already have a goal and two assists or something. Um, was, yeah, yeah, pretty pretty ridiculous. So, yeah, it also, it uh, tell you what I've done before is I've thought, I'm having a bad game week. I'll just go on to FPL Optimized and maybe it won't be as bad as I expected. Then I've gone on and it was actually going. It was actually going worse than I expected. And I, I log on to make myself feel better, and then suddenly you're like, okay, actually no, it was even worse than I thought. So it's sometimes a good thing to look at. It depends, yeah, yeah. Um, but it definitely puts things into perspective because your rank can, particularly later in the season when you're looking at rank more, your rank can plummet. But actually, it can be that everyone had six players playing in the three PMs and you only had two. And yeah, if you're not yeah. aware of that, mm-hmm. it kind of helps you to yeah, understand. Yeah. Um, Exactly. Yeah, and this season uh, in general, is there is there anything that you'd kind of changed so far in terms of what you've done, or have you been pretty happy with your decision making? Uh, I am 
happy with my decision making so far. I mean, it wasn't never the it wasn't never the issue for me. I mean, I everyone knows that I play analytically. I use analytics. I don't use mm-hmm. you know much grass uh, or like eye test. Um, so one thing that I am doing differently though, I'm playing with uh, fantasy football trout. Uh, he's kind of like helping me to make my decisions. So mm-hmm. we are kind of we we have the exact same team right now. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, yeah. I did this mainly because now being a parent, it was very time consuming. Mm-hmm. I realized that it will be the case throughout the season. Um, so I wanted to have the flexibility of sometimes not paying attention to FPL and hopefully you know throughout you know doing everything for me. Um, so far, I mean, it's good. So we, op- we are, we both use optimization. We sometimes run our own optimization separately and then compare our results and then try to make a decision based on that. Um, obviously some of the decisions we have made, uh, turned out to be really bad, like starting the season with Richarlison, uh, <laughs> or Jackson, yeah. they were like tough choices. And also we were forced to go without Newcastle defenders this game week, even though like optimization was begging us to get Newcastle defenders early on. Mm. Um, but yeah, I don't kind of like regret because with the information we had at that point, I think we gave the good decisions, but yeah, FPL is cruel. Yeah, that's really cruel. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just, I would do a similar thing. Well, I didn't start with Richarlison. I started with Havertz instead and they probably got a similar score. And then I, I switched Havertz to Sterling and he's also not returned since I've owned him. So oh, yeah. I've got that one position in my team where I've not got any points here so far. But I feel like it's coming and particularly the Sterling switch. Like Sterling's had plenty of chances uh, and also created plenty of chances for Jackson who's missed them. Um, oh yeah. yeah so we, <laughs> which is frustrating. But um, the Havertz one is one I think. Maybe that was a mistake. Uh, just, just because I think I maybe put I think I was probably too high on his expected minutes, considering he's now lost his place. Um, and also was maybe too confident that he would just slot in as this main striker when Jesus uh, was out at the beginning, whereas I think after one game or even in the first game, I think he's already playing in midfield. Um, so I think I probably got that wrong. But yeah, it's, it's kind of so much of it's about remaining level-headed and realising, you know, did you do the right thing with the information you had? Yeah. Even yeah, after the event, because exactly. I, I was thinking about this this week, because a player... You can't just look at, for example, the chances a player has in a game week and use that as the measure of whether it was the right decision either. So, for example, with the Haaland and Son captaincy swing in game week six, um, mm-hmm. I actually captain Haaland, but that's because I didn't own Son. I would have owned, I would have captained Son if I owned him. And I think you could look at that and say, you know, Haaland had like six big chances, therefore Haaland was the right decision. But actually, the the you know Haaland missing those chances was unpredictable. But so is him getting that amount of chances, even though it's Haaland. So again, you just have to go back. What information did we have before that game week? No one was predicting Haaland to get, you know, something like something stupid like near to two and a half xG in one game against West Ham. Yeah. So it's, yeah. you can't even you can use that as a more of a gauge, I guess, the amount of long term anyway, the amount of chances yeah, players get. But even right. for a one off for a one off game week, even just using xG to judge that to, to judge that is messy. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. then you risk exactly. never you risk then never learning from your mistakes or never admitting <laughs> you're wrong as well. That's what I find. Yeah, kind of, maybe. <laughs> but you're right. I mean there's a hidden layer of the underlying numbers mm. that, you know, there's projection and that outcome and that's what we only see, right? Like you, you check the pre game week prediction and then you see the 
post game league outcome and you might think that oh choosing this player was a mistake but then the underlying numbers tell sometimes they tell a different story yeah. like you have mentioned Holland can easily overperform his predictions but underperform you know his underlyings yeah like turning them into actual goals like yeah that's part of FPL yeah I mean, just football football's just a random sport football, as well yeah, yeah. um Great. I guess the first part of, the part of this podcast, what we'll do is I'll do a bit of a Q&A with you, Sertel, which is mm-hmm. questions I've kind of prepared because I think people will be, be very interested in kind of your background, what that means for FPL, how you um, built the website or why you built it, etc. Um, and then the second half of the pod, we'll talk more specifically about um, the upcoming game week and I think when to wildcard. They'll be the main two things. So I guess just firstly, you know, I, I introduced you briefly before, but, um, you know, why don't you do a better, better job of that than I did? You know, who is Sertel? You know, where do you live? Who do you support? And um, yeah, how did you get into FPL as well? Yeah, sure. And first of all, thanks for having me on this podcast again. Um, I'm Sartab Chai. I live in Raleigh, North Carolina, United States. I have living been in the United States for the last 11 years, roughly. Uh, I work as an operations research specialist. Which is a fancy way of saying that I'm an optimization scientist, actually. Um, so I got all, all of my degrees, undergrad, master's, and PhD in industrial engineering. And my focus area, like in, in terms of research, was using computational resources to solve optimization problems we encounter in real life. Mm. Um, optimization has lots of use cases, and I also work on a variety of different optimization problems at work. I do transportation optimization, routing optimization, manufacturing, scheduling, a little bit of finance. And well, as you know, lately I I, I use optimization for fantasy sports, Mm. not on FPL, but like in general, other fantasy sports too. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of both Galatasaray uh, from Turkish league because of my uh, parents and also Liverpool due to their uh, 2005 Champions League final in Istanbul. Yeah. Um, Yeah, these are the only two teams I actually follow. Yeah, brilliant. And um, yeah, when, when so 2005 Champions League. Yeah, so I guess when you started supporting Liverpool, it was pretty good. Then you had a few years <laughs> where it was pretty awful. And then you had, you've had the last decade that's been pretty good. Enough. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, but the story is also interesting because uh, we were watching the game uh, at the high school dormitory. And so there was this big room where when everyone was entering, they were asking, you know, which team you are supporting. And I realized that everyone was supporting AC Milan. And I was also like, I, I liked AC Milan at the time, but I felt bad that there are only a few like Liverpool fans yeah. like watching. And I said, yeah, I, I also root for Liverpool. And then um, I don't know if you remember the game, but yeah, do, uh, yeah. Milan was winning 3-0 at halftime. Yeah. So people were just like making fun of like me saying that I I picked the wrong team, and then Liverpool got three goals in the second half, and then eventually won the won the Champions League. So yeah. I felt really great like at that time, and I said like, okay, this is my team in European competitions from now on. And that just summarizes that game summarizes what we just discussed before in terms of the randomness of football, because <laughs> like AC Milan yeah, were better yeah. in every single position, dominated the whole of the first half, and then the second half Liverpool just. And they scored from long range. They won a penalty, and then Gerald scored a header, which you know again yes. from long long range for a header. <laughs> then you have the crazy yeah. Dudek save in extra time. That you know ninety percent of that time that probably just goes in. <laughs> yeah. And then even the penalty shootout, like, it's just crazy. Yeah, 
that just kind of sums up football so well uh, that match yeah and yeah, yeah i guess i was exactly. interested in, i was interested as well in because i think most people who are interested in fpl from an analytics point of view probably have gotten to it in a similar way to me where actually fpl was the first thing they're interested in more football than fpl and then probably played the game for fun more casually and then got into analytics has that been the same for you or, or because of your work as soon as you started playing fpl was it immediately from a kind of data standpoint yeah, my journey is just totally different, like totally different. It's just the opposite, I can yeah. say. Um, so it started like this. So I was building some proof of concept projects uh, related to football at work. So I was kind of like wanted to use optimization for football or like sports in general. So that because I mean, obviously, sports is a very interesting sector. I mean, I talked about like routing, manufacturing, finance, but I mean, they are all good and nice. But then when you talk to people about them they just you know get bored if they're not mm. from that sector but sports is different you can easily connect with people about you know what was the ideal decision for let's say like Liverpool to transfer this player so I wrote a blog post on this like how can you actually optimize transfers for clubs so I use some uh, like transfer market data so this is the budget of the club and these are the ratings from you know FIFA so mm. how can you actually increase the overall rating of the team with this with this limited budget? You know, what's the optimal transfer? I published a blog post. I received a long email from Bas. At that time, I didn't know him. Uh, he was he's working at the marketing department of the, the the company I work at. He told me, you know, all the all the points that I got wrong. He said like, this is wrong. <laughs> this is misleading. You know, you should add an you know, something that FIFA ratings doesn't necessarily mean that it is translated into real life, blah, blah, blah. So I said, okay, I mean, I'm used to getting these kind of feedback from my PhD. So I said, yeah, okay, I, I can change it. So from after that, we started working together or like discussing in general, and we did a very successful project called Benny Optimization. Mm. Uh, it was based on uh, maximizing number of people attending uh, venues like attending these sports co like competitions uh, under social distancing rules because at the at the time so there were lots mm. of rules and people were not allowed to go into venues as as you can remember so we said you know these this is how you optimize it essentially and then the, the same technique also got picked up by NFL used used for Super Bowl for example wow, so it was a very impactful project. Mm. Um, and then we were talking, he mentioned that he plays a game called FPL and he actually challenged me. He, he knew that I was going to use data if I play. And he said, like, can you actually win against me if you use you know, your fancy optimization tools? I said, yeah, yeah, I can. <laughs> um, that's, that's how I started. So, and then I learned about, you know, FPL. So even though I was, I said that I'm you know, a Liverpool fan, I wasn't really following Premier League that closely. Mm. I mean, obviously, maybe the season that Liverpool won um, the title, but besides that, I wasn't paying attention. And after started playing FPL, I started paying attention to games in general. And yeah, that's, that's my route. So I started with analytics. I was using analytics my whole life and then eventually yeah. learned that, oh, this is an actually really cool problem. And the FPL is different from other fantasy sports where the decisions you give now impact your entire season. 
um, because in lots of like daily fantasy sports, you you get to choose a new team like every week. Sure, but that's yeah, not yeah. the case in FPL, yeah. which intrigued me. Yeah, yeah, I guess it is pretty different in that way actually, and I guess the other forms of yeah, the, not just FPL but the Sky game and others, they have that same element of you have yeah. transfers, but the most of the players you bring in you're bringing in for the long term ultimately yeah it's, it's completely different isn't it um yes, they, yes. yeah that's, that's such a different way to getting into fpl compared to most people have you have you have you beaten baz most seasons or not i think i this is our fourth season i think i won in the first three seasons but okay. this season he has a nice lead so Good maybe nice. he will yeah. win this season <laughs> we will see just lulling him into a false sense of security before you... Uh, yes, maybe that. Yeah, like, a, like a pool shark. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, let's move on to that then, because one of the things I love about your guys' podcast is how different you guys are in terms of how you play. You know, and Baz, he, I think he even says in the intro to your po- podcast, says something like, that this is the podcast where we combine analytics with the eye test. And then he says, uh, data and yeah, grass, or- uh, data or grass or data and grass, etc. Yes. So I guess I wanted to ask you that question. Do you know? Do you when you're making decisions, is it purely data, or are there things you pick up uh, from watching games, or in general that you think that models won't pick up, and someone who <laughs> watches games who's good at it, you know, will make decisions, good decisions as a result of, or is it just purely yeah. a data game? <laughs> yeah, a little bit tough to answer. I mean, the que- the answer to that question that Bas asks at the podcast is. Like different for everyone yeah. for me like i play using only data like i watch games occasionally like maybe a game every week and i i try to watch highlights of a few week, a few games but i don't watch every game i don't watch every player i don't pay attention to every player so i don't feel like my well grass knowledge or i test knowledge is enough mm-hmm. to make any decisions based on that um so i kind of trust data i mean obviously models cannot get everything you know perfect but they're also using a set of like data points and hopefully if you are paying attention you can actually make like create a model that is probably better than you know best eye test person out there um because you are not only restricted to use stuff like you know xg or xa or something else um you you can also use your you know expert view mm. and include into the model i mean let's say that son is playing in the number nine position yeah. what it means for the model so you you should be able to easily translate that into uh, your prediction model and then actually make a prediction off of it mm. uh, that's pretty much you know what i test people do or grass people do they're like tracking changes how these player players are playing ultimately i believe that data can actually be much better than any uh, like personal observation we can have and i know that this is a very like big um you know like argument here like Mm. uh, people might get upset on this but like everything is data and then we are making decisions based on data and supports is no different in my opinion but there are lots of sectors that resisted the change of embracing analytics but then eventually like analytics caught up and then nowadays as a company if you are not using analytics you are certainly behind everyone else so i feel like we will arrive to a point where not using prediction data or projection will make you a worse fpl player unless they change rules somehow 
Yeah. So yeah, I, I believe in data. Maybe data is not ready yet, but I I have full confidence in using data. Yeah. I guess I'm yeah, I'm the same in the sense that um I think hundred percent the best way to play the game is using data. And actually when I watch football, I watch more football than you. But actually when I'm watching it, I'm not thinking, oh, how's this gonna impact my FPL decisions? I'm watching it for enjoyment. Um so I don't don't even think about it at all. But I do think there are certain people who are better at the eye test. Um, who will pick up on things like a player's position or pick up on things that don't get picked up on in XG, for example, if a player's in good positions but not receiving the ball, for example. Um, and that will add some value, I guess. But I, I think for me, for me anyway, I can only talk from my own experience. I think if I if I try to make decisions based on what I'm seeing and discount data, I'm way more likely to just make biased decisions and make worse decisions personally. Um, yeah, yeah and, it's, and, and the fact, like what we discussed before, the fact football's so random means there will always be people who don't use any data who do really well. And there'll always be people who yeah. use, who use data who do really badly as well. So that keeps the game interesting regardless. And the main thing is you know, people play the game in the way they want um, as well. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess exactly. kind of moving on from the podcast to the website fbloptimize.com, which we showed some of the tools from earlier. Um, I just wanted to kind of show you actually three of those tools and for myself and for other people watching who might find it really helpful, just kind of talk through uh, what they show uh, and and why you think it might be helpful for uh, anyone who plays FPL. So mm-hmm. what I've got here is, this is your the team of the year section within the FPL Optimized yes. website. Um, so this is your, t- although it's of the year, this is your team so far. And what I've got ticked there is um, uh, relative gains. Um, yeah, can you kind of talk through what that means and kind of looking at this, what have you, what do you kind of learn about your own team? Yeah, certainly. Let me actually make the image bigger on my second screen so I can I can see the player names. Um, so relative gain is this. So suppose you have well, Holland is the perfect example for this actually. So yeah. suppose you have Holland in your team and you are captaining him almost every week except one. Um, so you think you are getting points, but so does everyone else. So it is not actually helping you to move like on the ranks. If you are like 3 million like me, if you captain Holland, you probably still at 3 million rank. So nothing has changed, but like he got 20 points, then you feel good that you have, has a, you have a high score. Um, but relative gain is how much you are gaining against the field. So then it becomes like this. So you multiply points, how many points that player got, multiply it with one minus or two minus if the captain, one minus the ownership. So suppose you have a player who is not your captain, like to to keep it simple, who got 10 points and no one else has that player. You are keeping all that, those 10 points and then you are moving 10 points while everyone else stays in the same place. Like in a a draft format, it would be like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But if 50% of the people uh, have the same player, then you are only getting 10 multiplied with 0.5 because it's 1 minus 50%. Then you are only moving, in average, 5 points against the field. So there are people you move against, like 10 points. And then there are these people who move with you, other 50%. In average, you move 5 points. Then... The team of the year is based on, well, if you are using the relative gain, so that Holland is probably not helping you to move into the top ranks, but someone else is helping you. Like in my case, for example, I can easily tell, even without looking that Mubemo is one player, such player that whose ownership is not that high, 
but he got lots of points. So when you multiply it with it, I'm sure Mubemo is in my like team of the year in terms of taking me to higher ranks, but Holland is not. And Holland is not also because I captain someone else in a game week. So that, as you know, it hurts you when when you do that. You got, goes you got big, a minus yeah. number on Holland. Yeah, minus number. <laughs> was that was that um, was that Saka game week one set up? I think so. Yeah. 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 Same. I, I captain Saka as well that week. So then, yeah. as you see here, like I have uh, like Morris and Jackson as my you know team of the year players, and then I don't have Holland, which is expected kind of. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's really, I think it's just helpful to look at again to put your team into perspective. The yeah. similar, we're looking at the relative game throughout the uh, game week mm -hmm. as well. Um, but yeah, I thought this was a really cool tool, actually. And I was similar to you. I think Mbwemo was my highest player. And again, I had <laughs> Haaland in the minuses because um, of that, <laughs> the one week, <laughs> the week I didn't captain him, which is hilarious. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, I, I guess you, would you just generally ignore EO when you play? I do. Um... In my opinion, ownership has some impact or, or should have an impact in the optimal play. But mm. I feel like we are not at that point yet. Uh, so the only thing that we are doing right now is like using, let's say, FBI reviews data or other projection models is we are betting on a biased coin. So that biased coin says that with the 51% probability, it will be heads. And then we, we hope that it will be heads. So, I don't really use effective ownership in my decision-making. Sometimes I just dread picking the low-owned uh, captain, but yeah. I mean, it's a risk appetite thing. So I'm, I don't mind like choosing a captain, anyone, you know, besides Holland, but people like there are lots of analytical managers who are using these kind of like projection data and everything. But when it comes to captaincy, they're like, no, I'm going to play safe. I'm going to, Pick the player who's owned the most it will be holland like in my mind there's no question but i mean now, now we are facing a, something similar right like are you going to pick morris as your captain or holland is a big mm. big split i feel yeah yeah absolutely and we'll, we'll yeah we'll come to that later on as well yeah. and um yeah also what yeah also i'd say just by the way for people listening to this podcast rather than watching um you'll still be able to follow this along fine but we're showing quite a lot of graphics so it might be worth watching on youtube as well but should still be helpful kind of moving on to the next thing and again i was just having a look through the website earlier today and this actually kind of confirmed when i ran my team and a couple of other people's teams through it including your own what i thought in terms of clean sheets this season not being that valuable i guess what for those listening what you can see here is a spider graph is that what it's called um it's a radar chart yeah radar chart yeah that shows um the amount of points you've got from uh, your captain from clean sheets goals assists and bonus and if you're watching here, what I've done is I've compared Seb's team to Luke's. I've left our teams out of this. Um, and it, what you can see here is that Seb's way higher on captaincy. So Luke's <laughs> got his captaincy wrong uh, more times than Seb. I wonder what, yeah, I wonder, that must be the Son week, I guess, that's determined that. Um, where I guess yeah. that Seb would have stuck with Haaland. That would be my guess. Um, whereas Luke's got way more assists than his team. Um, and Seb's got a couple more clean sheets. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is just an interesting one as well. Is that fairly self-explanatory there, set up? And the percentage it's showing, is that the percentage of players who could have uh, achieved that? Does that make sense? 
Yeah, so these are the percentage of players you own who end up with getting a goal or an assist or clean sheet. And I'm only counting the players that who are relevant in this case. Like, for example, for clean sheet, it's only the defenders and goalkeeper yeah. you have. It doesn't, I think it doesn't include like midfielders. Definitely not forwards, but probably not midfielders too. And also for goal, it is on the track in forwards and midfielders because these are the people you are bringing to your team for, you know, the goal potential, right? Yeah. There could be some defenders you own for maybe attacking returns, but I'm focused on, you know, midfield forwards for the goal. Um, and, and, and bonus includes every player in your team. So maybe you are, you know, bringing players who get lots of bonuses like Trippier. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the season I created this chart, I think these were the highest values I observed, like in terms of a clean sheet percentage or goal or assist. And then, as you can see, we have like 60% as you know best clean sheet target, but for captaincy it was only 70%. Mm -hmm. And you can see that SAP has a higher percentage that that than that. But mm -hmm. I think as the season goes on, people usually fall within these uh, yeah. within these lines. And also, like there are some players who get multiple goals. Mm -hmm. It's counted as only one. So did sure. did your player get a goal or not? That's the only question I'm I'm checking here. Yeah, got you. And do, do you know when you initially created this chart, did it change your uh, decision making at all in terms of um, what where you put more of your money within your squad? And also, secondly, uh, probably one of the reasons, but we'll, we will, well, we definitely will see less. There's more to be less clean sheets this season is the greater stoppage time, which is you know, the referees have kept doing. I think a lot of people thought they might fade that out because of <laughs> you know, them, them adding more on for time wasting and things like that. Do you know, does yeah. actually has actually come into your mind in terms of um, yeah decision making in terms of who you prioritize or do you just let the model account for that because you know it will in terms of adding on those minutes? Uh, for the first part, I think the first time I created this chart, I realized that my assist per percentage was quite low compared to others like similar managers mm. I I play against. So I, and I was just wondering why that could be. Um, Assists, as you know, are more difficult to predict compared to goals. Um, so from that perspective, I was thinking maybe the models are like more confident in terms of like who will get the goals so that mm. they are suggesting me players who will hopefully get the goals, but not not necessarily assist numbers. And then for a casual manager, maybe they are just checking the total FPL points every player generated and they are going with the highest which might have lots of assist points to that yeah. point and then you know might keep generating more assists might yeah. be the explanation but um regarding clean sheet yeah i i think i played with three defenders like every game week so far i mean yeah. i wasn't really lucky with getting clean sheets in the first place too uh yeah. but i think that i mean longer games impacted um projection projection data a little bit and then now optimal solutions usually involve like three defenders in most game weeks. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, one of the other things um, I was interested in asking you, um, we've got our kind of predicted versus realized data for the season. I think we might, I might show that at the end instead. But you've done quite a lot of work um, with FPL Chase, um, who, who you had on your podcast uh, last week, which is a really mm -hmm. good lesson. And with regards to comparing different models as well. And I'd love to discuss that with you because I think that's something that I think a lot of people have questions about. Because for me, I'm similar to a lot of people where I use kind of analytics for 
FPL and that's it. You know, I'm not particularly, um, I've never used it as part of my job. I don't naturally have a very kind of like mm-hmm. mathematical kind of brain, but I've kind of learned to understand it and to use models um, for FPL. But I don't understand like the, I know the basics in terms of how it applies minutes, how it p- applies things like clean sheet odds, um, historic underlying data, etc. But you still got big differences between different types of models. What are the main reasons for those differences? Why models disagree? And I'm going to also going to bring up a, gaf- a graphic now that shows um, mm-hmm. comparisons of different models so far this season in terms of different positions. And it shows how accurate they've been so far. Can you also talk us through that graphic and discuss what differences you yeah. tend to see between models by position as well? Yeah, sure. Um, well, as we know, models are not perfect. And I should also mention that I'm not an expert in prediction models or predictive analytics in general. My expertise is mostly on prescriptive analytics, basically optimization, mm-hmm. simulation, these kind of decision-making tools. So at work, for example, Usually the people who generate these kind of data are actually giving us the model or at least, you know, projections, Uh, you know, suppose we are trying to optimize the ticket prices for a sport club, which we did in the past. And then they are giving us a model, like they are saying that if you set it to this price, this is how many tickets you are expected to sell. If you set it to this price and this Mm -hmm. is how it will affect it. Um, so then you are using that knowledge to kind of optimize, you know, what's the optimal ticket price in this case? Like you'll probably want to set it high, but not too high so that, you know, the attendance will be low. Um, and so I actually asked um, if anyone can help me to measure the accuracy of these models, because I got the optimization model done, but I need to know which model is more accurate. And we we kind of always knew that FBI review is one of the best models out there, simply because of the time he spent building that model. Uh, well, even the model is named Massive Data, so you can <laughs> kind of like feel that it is like a massive model, so that you maybe you can trust it more. But we wanted to see how they compare against each other. And I didn't have any idea how good or bad other models are like, mm. compared to FBI review. So then this chart actually shows the mean squared error um, and it's comparing prediction to the actual outcome. So we talked about the hidden layer, the underlying numbers, but we are comparing what was the prediction and what the outcome was. Mm. Um, as you see, for every position, there is a better model. Like for example, in terms of forward projections, Scott is doing better than FBI review until now. But if you look at the every player in the in the game, then FBI review's error rate is lower. Um, these kind of stuff well might happen due to uh, obviously maybe let's talk about this. So maybe the modelers spend more time modeling that particular aspect mm. so that they are better at predicting those. It could be also the variation in football as we talk with you. So maybe like like Holland got lots of XG in a game. And then if you predicted a high X for Holland, it will reduce your error quite a bit so that you might think that, oh, okay, my model is doing perfect, but it was just a fluke. So that the small sample size is very relevant here. So we are hoping that as the time, season goes by, these ranks between these models will converge to somewhere. I mean, FBI review wasn't the you know best model for the first, I think, four weeks. But then after maybe game week five, he 
got into the first place and it is now at the first place right now but we will see i mean the error rates are close but models are not perfect so you are kind of trying to mm. see you know what they are good at and if there is any signal you can pick up yeah yeah yeah, and again, for like those people listening, it's basically comparing, there's one, two, three, four, seven different models there, FPL team, Draft Hound, Fantasy Football Fix, Mikhail Top Fans, uh, Model, Fantasy Football Hub, Scout, and then FPL Review. And yeah, it's like so far for forwards, it's, um, and for goalkeepers, it's Review that's been the most accurate in predicting. In fact, Scout just ahead of Review in terms of forwards. Uh, for midfielders, there's a few that are doing better than others. Whereas um, for defenders, I think it's probably either fix or or review from looking at that so it'd be interesting to see long term which ones are better and yeah and also like different all these websites will have a different amount of budget and resource they're putting into doing this as well so it's not a criticism of anything at all and like that it's it's it's, it's great it's great that it's becoming more mainstream that people have access to these models as well and they're all doing really good work to kind of Yeah. yeah because i think a lot of people it's not just that they think that the model will make them make better decisions, but they enjoy the process of it as well, of like using it to challenge themselves, um, using it almost as a, as if it were a friend you were kind of running your team by, or like yeah. some people just really enjoy sticking to it rigidly. So I just think it's, yeah. particularly this season, it's kind of good to see that become more mainstream and normal mainstream, for people to do right. as well. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah, that's, that's really I mean, interesting. And so one other thing I was going to ask you, yeah. Sir Talp. So this, yes. is, um, mm-hmm. this is, you've just started doing that this season. Is that right? That's correct, yeah. yes. Okay, sure. So I was going to ask what it was like long-term, but yeah, we'll find that out at the end of the season, I guess. Yeah, Yeah. we we had some data from last season. We, I think, started around game week maybe six last season, started to collect this data. Mm. But then it wasn't very um, consistent because the web- websites, they changed their structure a little bit. Like, you know, every few game weeks, they come up with a new kind of like structure to share the data. So you need to be actively fixing the script. So I didn't pay too much attention to that uh, last season. But at the beginning of this season, we made sure that we have all the scripts ready so that we can actually, we are getting this data actually four times a day uh, from every resource and using the closest one to the deadline when we are, you know, trying to uh, measure the accuracy and i should also mention mention that neil rankin za on twitter is actually uh, generating these visuals for me he's uh-huh. actually doing this for a living uh, this kind of like predictive analytics um so i'm just passing him the data at this point and well i will add this as a side comment but um people are often obsessed about the, the predictions in general uh, because they are coming from as you mentioned so they have been playing fpl and then they realize that, oh, there are these projection models I can use. So they are kind of like obsessed about on those. But I am an optimization scientist, so I'm more obsessed about optimization. Mm. I enjoy the process. I don't care too much about the data, to be honest. And well, whether you are using Mikael Tokwam's data or FBI review or like Fantasy Ball Scott or whatever, I am more interested in whether you are optimizing that or not. Mm. And so a person can even come up with their own made-up numbers, like projections. You can say that, I'm sure Holland will get two goals this game week. That's how I feel. That's the vibes I have. Still, like, and you are, let's say, predicting Holland to get a goal and assist, and then this player to get a clean sheet, this player to lose their clean sheet, whatever. So then 
again still this is a big optimization problem you can even use optimization for this kind of like made up nonsense data <laughs> if you will and optimize it because yeah. it's not very obvious like even if you know that Holland will get two goals doesn't mean that he's necessarily optimal because maybe he, with his price you will get two other players who will in combination get will get three goals so yeah. that's what I'm I was trying to tell people uh, with little success in these last seasons that <laughs> optimization piece is much cooler than the, getting the answer actually correctly so yeah, yeah but I mean People are not very interested in that. Maybe it's a kind of like a research interest from my side. Yeah, not many people use the word cool to describe analytics or data, do they? <laughs> <laughs> We're on our own now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. I thought we'd um, yeah move on to kind of some more discussion about the actual upcoming game week okay. and the current state yeah, of FPL. Um, so what I've got here is some data from Rob T. FPL on Twitter. Give him a follow if you don't already. Um, yeah, anyone who's listening, he basically posts a lot of clean sheet odds he posts um often the the league table and how projections for the end of the season have changed based on the most recent results and just some really interesting stuff to look at in terms of the big picture uh, what you can see here is um uh based on sportingindex.com which i think is to do with like market odds you can see the projected amount of goals for each team within this game week as well as their clean sheet percentage and i guess to put this into context context first set up where are you up to in terms of this game week, are you um, have you got two transfers? Do have you are you eyeing up a particular move? I have two two free transfers. Okay, I haven't used my transfers yet. Um, I don't know who, which players I will get. Uh, well, obviously, optimization model wants me to get uh, two players who will double this game week. But yeah. So I was also kind of like running these solves with the assumption that I will use my wildcard in game week nine-ish because my team is not the best. But yeah, I mean, wildcard timing certainly impacts the, what, what the optimal decision yeah. is for this game week. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm the same. So I've got two transfers um, at the moment, which we'll discuss in a, in a moment. Um, I'm planning on saving my wildcard, although I'm open to using it earlier. But if I, if I run a solve um, with a wildcard in 9 or 10 or 8, it, yeah, it wants me to buy Trafford and Morris. Um, whereas, <laughs> actually, if I set it up with no kind of uh, wildcard locked in at all, um, it either just wants me to buy... Um, some, some solves it wants me to buy a single game week player, but in most of them it just wants me to buy Trafford and to completely ignore Morris. So I, th that's the first thing I'd say for this upcoming game week is... Uh, with Morris, he's the based on data, he's the best captain, or at least very close to Haaland, depending where you think the minutes are. Um, so he's he's one of the best options. But actually, because of the team he plays for, it's, it's just really not a straightforward decision because for most people, it's then a transfer out um, straight afterwards. So And that has a value to it as well. Um, whereas if you're wildcarding straight after, he, he becomes a potential transfer in and he, sorry, becomes a transfer in because of that. But if you this this doesn't include Luton's second game against Burnley because I don't think the um, it's updated with the odds yet. But even against Everton, like one of the worst defenses in the league, Luton are projected 0.78 goals. But yeah, again, it's just the fact it's too close to 90 minutes, and the fact he's on penalties <laughs> means you might get something. But I think even if you've got Morris, you shouldn't. If he scores one goal in two games, that's a massive success. If you have Morris, because that's probably. <laughs> One goal in two games if he plays more than 60 minutes in both. And let's say he gets one bonus, that's nine points just from one goal. So I think yes. you bring him in with those expectations, knowing that that's a success. It's just one, yeah. Or even one, even one assist, like if he gets bonus points, 
could be like considered a successful captaincy or a successful buy, depending how other players do. So I just think there's a lot of stuff on Twitter around, you know, it's ridiculous that suddenly people think a Luton player's worthwhile just because he's got a double. Um, that's not true. Like it, it makes total sense that he's one of the best players for this game week. But that's the key thing. It's this game week. Yeah. And so for a lot of people, it doesn't make sense. And that's what people need to think through. They've got to look at the big picture of their team. Yeah, agreed. Yes, <laughs> certainly. And kind of in relation to that, actually, the one thing that really stood out to me when I looked at this graphic is that Everton's clean sheet odds at 46%. Like That really surprised me. Even against Luton, I was surprised they were that high. Um, and that's often, again, where data can be helpful because I, I mean, for things like odds, there are, you know, probably hundreds of staff members and all this like data that gets piled in to, to kind of make these decisions for me to say that just based on my judgment of what I've watched that I think it's lower or higher than that I think is just ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> but yeah yeah well you could make a lot of money if you uh, <laughs> were able to just judge it that way so yeah 40 percent 6 percent is surprising but my then what I do with that is I think well um that's just that's just the way it is. You know, I don't think yeah. that's surprising. Therefore, that's got to be wrong. Um, I think that's where data can be really helpful because it can, yeah, help you to to properly understand these things and make me realise actually I probably just don't actually understand how bad Luton are <laughs> attacking. <laughs> it is impressive that like we are thinking of captaining a player uh, <laughs> where the opposition has the highest clean sheet percentage of the game week. I think like even Manchester City is lower, right? 44%, but it's only one game, so that maybe like in two games, uh, the rate goes down. Like, probability of getting at least one goal is not too bad. And yeah. that's why the prediction model wants Morris as the captain, or I should say, like racing against Holland for captaincy. Yeah. And yeah, like I, it's, I, I also think, I just think psychologically, if you've got Morris and Haaland, it's an easier game week to go against Haaland because, you know, if he's got a second match, and I know that's not logical, but is he psychologically, it's easier to do, like maybe if you're in mental health. Like, for example, yes. when we, <laughs> when I captained Saka in game week one, the fact that Haaland was playing on the first night and was playing against Burnley, but that was, that was scary to do because you know that in one day, you could be like 20 points behind everyone already on the first <laughs> after one game of one game week. Uh, whereas I think with this, even if Haaland holds, <laughs> it's very little hope, but you have a little bit of hope to hold on to. And actually, we've got one more fixture. You never know. So it's I more think painful be, even. Like, it's you know, drawn out. You're hoping that the second game things will turn and then it doesn't. Yeah, maybe long term, it's just false hope. But yeah, so something like that does happen. But there's, there's always that chance, isn't there, with, with Haaland. That's not how you play the game thinking about what can happen is what's is what's mm -hmm. most likely. Mm -hmm. Um another thing that stood out to me here is is just Man United, one point nine five odds of scoring a goal, and that's against Palace, who are a decent defence, you know, decent enough. We're very good last year in fact, in terms of underlying data. So I think people have got Rashford and Bruno, just just stick it out with them. And just that's one of the reasons why I just don't think it's probably one of the reasons why it's the worst double game week ever, because from Luton there's only really Morris that's viable or Kabore if you already own him or any other player that you already happen to own and then from Burnley you've like again none of the midfielders are really viable because there's so many good midfielders in the game and similar with forwards like no one's going to be selling Haaland for a double game week <laughs> most people aren't set up with the budget for a third forward to bring in so it's just it's not just the teams that make it the worst double game week ever it's kind of the yeah. context of the game isn't it um yes what what do you think are your most likely moves set up if you you know, if you were to guess what you end up doing tomorrow or on Saturday morning, 
Yeah, it depends on like who's injured or not. I, like I wasn't following news very closely, but I saw a few like yellow flags around like around my team. Um, I think uh, Model wanted me to sell one of my goalkeepers. I think Turner to get the well the Luton's goal goalkeeper. Um, I'm not sure. I think I will. I'm more likely to spend both of my free transfers this game week. Uh, like if I actually decide to wildcard in game week nine. But yeah, I don't know which player it will be for the second transfer. Sure. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, their projections are only good for this game week, obviously. And even yeah. that is questionable. But yeah, let's see. I, I'm kind of like waiting until deadline to see which player will be the optimal move. Yeah. I mean, I was saying Trafford before he plays for Burnley, but they've. It's actually Kaminsky who's actually slightly ahead who plays for Luton. But I mean, when you can't remember the name of a player who you might be bringing in, that's where you're kind of panicking a bit. <laughs> I've done that with players. I've had to Google what they look like when I was <laughs> I own this. I forgot Kapoor. I have absolutely no idea what he looks like. <laughs> um, yeah. But I'll, I'll find out soon when he scores. Um, you know, brace in the double game week and we'll be laughing. Um, yeah, it is just like my you know <laughs> wife playing FPL the the season two seasons ago. Like she had yeah. lots of players in her team that, and we were watching the game and I was like pointing out, oh, this is the player you have in your team. And she's like, oh, I didn't know what he looked like. Yeah. But yeah, that's <laughs> essentially the same for us, for Luton players, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I've been doing, I've been playing the, the Rugby World Cup some at the moment. I've been playing that fantasy game. I don't know anything about rugby. I just quite enjoy watching. <laughs> I quite enjoy watching big games of any sport. And kind of getting into like a World Cup, so I thought I'll I'll play the fancy game and it'll give me some interest in some of the games. But just purely making decisions based on the odds, <laughs> basically. Yeah. I'm doing fairly well for that reason, probably. Um, but yeah, I have no idea who what any of my players look like until I watch, sit down and watch a game. Um, yeah. Um, so let's move on to kind of more beyond this game week. You mentioned before that you might wildcard in game week nine set up. Mm-hmm. Is that you know how what kind of how likely do you think you are to do that? Has anything changed that in terms of the results last night with them potentially now being a, a later mm. double game week for Brentford and City? Has that changed things at all? Yeah, I can actually see the merit in wildcarding later, maybe game week uh, nineteen. I think you will talk about that one. Mm. Uh, later wildcard has some value, that's for sure. It's just difficult for me to actually estimate, you know, what the impact would be. Uh, there are a few models which has the season-long projections. I think that's the football Scott has, they provided. Mm. Um, I was just thinking of using their projection and see if the game week, uh, like, I don't know, like 17, 18, 19, like using my wildcard will have an impact. But for this, you know, short-term horizon, I tried every game week to see what's the the impact of a wildcard. And game week nine seemed like the best for my team because then I kind of kind of like dead end my team and then make transfers this game week, bring doubling players and then same thing with the game week eight. And then after game week nine, I can actually start with a clean team. Mm. Uh, I can bring Salah whose fixtures will turn really good and then it will stay good for a while. Yeah. Um, game week nine wildcard is very possible for me. I, I will say maybe 60%. Yeah, I would guess you have quite a big decision to make there in terms of whether you have fun. <laughs> I do. <laughs> that too. Because yeah, yeah. I, I kind of think, but this is just based on the souls I run. So like, 
because I've run some for my own team, anticipating not wildcarding soon, and also just seeing what it looks like from eight to nine in terms of an optimal wildcard. And for my team with my budget, like it always involves selling Haaland or him not being in that team when I wildcard. Um, so I think for I think if it's there, you just I would just be brave and go with it. And there's a few reasons why this is gonna be really unpopular. Why I think it's <laughs> like, people want to hear more than just all oh, the numbers say so. But if you actually look at game week eight to fifteen. But the fixes are absolutely horrendous for, for Hill Haaland. They're basically as bad as they can be. And people will yeah. say, oh, Haaland can score against anyone, which is true. But he's ultimately less likely to score against these teams. He's got yeah. Arsenal, Brighton, Man United, then Bournemouth, which is great. Then Chelsea, Liverpool, Spurs, Villa. It's basically six of the, or seven of the kind of best eight teams, apart from Newcastle, within eight game weeks. So I just think if there's a time to do it, now is the time to do it. The fact that also coincides with Salah having such good fixtures, like makes it a viable thing. And also, in the weeks where you, if you don't know Haaland, you'd have to captain someone else. There's one week where Son's the best captain. There's one week where even Bruno or Rashford might be the best captain, as well. And so it's just having, not having Haaland allows you to kind of permanently have those players and maybe have a team with yeah. Salah, Son, a United player, maybe even tri- the budget for Trippier. So it, it just mm-hmm. it allows less kind of intricate moves during that time period as well. Whereas I think a lot of people who have Salah and Haaland, they will be kind of moving those midfielders around a lot. And obviously there's, that's using transfers. And I would just say that the whole argument of, well, Haaland can score five goals in a game week. Yeah, like we, we know that's true. Like Salah can also do that. We know that's a possibility. But you've just got to kind of, in this case, I would just go with the numbers. And for my particular team at the moment, unless anything changes in terms of injuries and stuff, that will involve selling Haaland in nine um, and doing Sterling. And for probably Alvarez or maybe even Nunes, if he's playing regularly by then, and doing Sterling to uh, to Salah. And yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, yeah, it will definitely be scary. <laughs> and it could absolutely destroy my season. But, you know, I just think if that's the EV is there, that's when you do it and I guess the, the last thing I would say is um, it's very much a unique situation like I wouldn't yeah. that I would like wouldn't even consider selling Haaland most of the time but the fact is the fixtures are so bad I think he's only the best captain in two out of these eight game weeks so and I think other people will captain elsewhere as well so even going against him that makes it less scary if his EO's 150% rather than 180% uh, for example um, also um, so yeah, that's why I do it and I just think the upside is there but it's very much for me like you have Salah during that period and you yeah. it's whether you have Salah or Salah and Haaland whereas I think a lot of people are looking at it as you know you have Haaland and do you bring in Salah as well otherwise I think it should be the other way around but I think the discussion's there but the discussion starts with Salah and you have Salah for that period and then you maybe uh, go without Haaland which for my team I think works um, yeah. but it's a uh, yeah it's a uh, It'll be scary. <laughs> I guess one thing that changes it as well compared to last year is last year, if you took Haaland out, you lose a load of value. Whereas this year, because everyone had him at the beginning, you also don't lose any team value by doing it. And I guess that's a small thing that makes an impact yeah. as well. He'll just be the same price when you buy him back. Um, yeah, yeah. Is when you sell him. Um, yeah, did you have anything to add particularly on these fixtures set up? No, but yeah, I agree with your comments about, you know, selling Holland in general. I mean, their fixtures are obviously not the best and it might be a suitable time to sell him. And I know that like people are talking about this, you know, that he can, as you mentioned, like he can go big and 
even if the fixture is difficult, that's certain as possibility, but less likely compared to, yeah, say, let's say Sheffield United or Luton Town. Um, yeah, it's game week 11 that's scary. <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> in Bournemouth, but then Salah's got Luton. It's like the best possible fixture for Salah. There's just lots of little things like that it just makes me think, actually, I think I probably will go for it. You know, yeah. Even that, if Salah happened to have Brighton or whoever that week, Spurs, Man United, even that would be a huge deal. But the fact that Salah's mm-hmm. also, not as good as Haaland, but also a great captain, again, that it's just, I feel like everything's just fallen into place for it to become viable, basically. Yes, I agree. I agree. Um, and it will probably, you know, make or break our season. Like we can maybe make up to the against the field by going against Haaland, but it can also finish the season early. So when we were talking, so like as for a similar decision with Trout, he said that do I prefer a slow that or a fast one? <laughs> and I pretty much prefer a fast one. Like I don't yeah. want to like spend like all the remaining I don't know like thirty weeks and you know slowly losing against the field. I would prefer <laughs> to you know lose a lot of rank in one game week and then yeah. you know maybe play more freely for the remaining one. Yeah, and if if Arlen break, breaks the Premier League record and scores six goals in a game. For the first time in history, when we just, just yeah, we will just, be there. We'll just say variants, <laughs> variants mate. Yes. <laughs> um, I just before we move on to some questions to finish, I just wanted to quickly talk about that late wild card, and I was going to say it's kind of too early to be thinking about it because it's so far on the season, but it might impact whether you wild card now. So this is just the fixtures basically for City and Brentford during that period where um, Man City and Brentford have that blank because of Man City playing in the Club World Cup, I believe it is. Um, so they blank in 18, but then in game week 20, according to Ben, who's the best person at predicting fixtures, um, they think it's pretty likely that they'll double in game week 20. Double, so you've got, a, yeah. you've got a blank in 18 and then a double in 20, which for Brentford would be Man City and Crystal Palace. And for Man City would be Sheffield United and Brentford. So particularly for Man City, that's a great double. And straight away, you think that's where you triple captain Haaland if it happens. But I just think, yeah, with wild cards, it could work really well because you can start to lose those players. Um, particularly Brentford players have got Villa, that's tricky. So you can sell one there, sell another one in 18, and then boost your EV in 18 overall. You can even sell Haaland in 18, wild card him in in 19, and then you've got triple Brentford, triple City for game week 20. Um, an argument against that is actually that both teams, I'm only showing two here, but both teams actually have good fixtures going into 18. So that's an argument against it because you think actually for those mm. fixtures people will have them anyway but it's just the blank that makes it tricky people have to bench them there um and then buy extras in 19 and 20 so i just think yeah. for my team anyway when i run solves i'm only gaining like 10 to like 13 ev from wildgarding now and i just anticipate actually it might be bigger during this period um for mm. that reason so that's the reason why i'm willing to hold out and hope that this works out to be better based on the fixtures around this period as well with a couple of swings uh, going into the new year um, and I just think if people have wildcarded earlier I wouldn't be surprised if it becomes a trend the idea of free hitting in 18 just because we know there'll be less doubles this week um, this yeah. is something that Ben mentioned to me actually was I hadn't thought of this until he mentioned it but again because those fixtures are good for City and Brentford leading into it you could free hit 18 um, yeah. and then you've, you've got them for the double after that as well but you know, we still need to know if that's announced in 20 I just think it's worth considering if people are umming and ahhing over whether to wildcard now and it's a close decision, it might be that yeah. this this potential gain here is enough to hold off. That's just my thoughts on it. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree that I mean both wild card is a valid strategy, but also free hit eighteen that makes lots of sense to me. And also, like people are sometimes a little bit scared using their free hit in a blank game week as opposed to a double game week. Um, but I think it might be a viable strategy. I mean, after all, we will we will all have Brentford and City players uh, leading up to that game week. So why not use your free hit? Probably it will be even. Um, it will bring a sufficiently good expected value uh, if you use your free hit there. And hmm. yeah, yeah, I, I, guess... I, I can certainly see that why that's a possibility. Yeah, 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 sure. I think for me, the whole thing becomes more likely as well because I generally, not always, but generally don't tend to own a lot of City players um, outside of Harland. Then maybe I'll have a defender. Um, but <laughs> there, so if you're the kind of player who you love when City have great fixtures to triple up on them, that's when actually free hitting 18 might be the right plan yeah. for you, for example. But you know that free hit discussion, we'll come to that when we get to it. But the potential wildcard there is one that might make mean it. For some people, it's worth holding off in more recent weeks. Um, we've run over a bit, uh, Sertar, but we've just got a few questions left, if that's okay, if you've got yes, time. Yes, certainly. Yeah. Um, so I've got a few questions from Twitter, but there's, yeah, there's a couple in the chat as well, actually. Uh, progression says... Oh, that's just, this, this isn't a question, it's just a bit of love for you. Love your coverage of model accuracies and the EV attack defence. Tick of the season, some of the most useful FPL content each week. Um, yeah. There you go, lovely. And there's also a love heart, but that's from FPL Optimised, so a little bit biased. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Fatality says, what do you think of the guy using ChatGPT to pick his, his team? I've not actually seen that, but I'm definitely going to check that out. It's a YouTube channel, apparently. I think I have heard of it before. Yeah. I briefly checked it. People also ask me if I if they can use ChatGPT uh, like in place of optimization all the time. Not only in the fantasy context, yeah. but in other contexts too. The problem is, ChatGPT is a language model. It's not well, an actual AI, right? So it's not able to do this kind of like actual computation. And optimization is particularly a very difficult field. Um, like for example, the the optimization of when to wildcard takes so much time. Like you can even run it for a whole, for like full day, like 24 hours, your CPU running at 100% utilization through the day, and you can still be running that model the following day. It's that, it's that difficult. And if you, you know, sometimes you think that, yeah, maybe, you know, ChatGPT will find a way. It is probably using some kind of heuristic approaches and then it's like maybe you know picking the players with the highest expected value. I don't know how, how they're using it right now, but mm. suppose like if I feed it with the FBRV's projections and if I tell them that, tell the tool that, can you give me the you know optimal decision here? Who's the optimal player to transfer? It's probably oversimplifying the problem. That's mm. not how we use it. We know exactly how we can solve this problem. ChatGPT is very useful for lots of stuff that is not structured enough so that mm. you cannot actually define the problem or it is difficult to find an exact information you are looking for. But for structured problems uh, like optimization, FPL optimization, it's, it's also same for like traveling salesman problem, for example. We have optimization techniques that can optimize hundreds of thousands of uh, like nodes uh, within like under a second in your like iPhone. Mm. Uh, so algorithmic approach for these kind of problems are much better right now and chat gpt is if even if it is generating stuff it is probably far from optimal is how i see it and if chat gpt is able to provide these answers 
it shouldn't yeah i mean it's like technically is impossible for it to generate the optimal solution in a reasonable time while we are just like spending eight hours or like 20 hours to find the optimal solution so oversimplifying the problem but again we talked about this but in fpl or in football variance is so high that maybe the picks that chat gpt comes up <laughs> is doing much better than my yeah. you know 24 hour optimized team so yeah. It's, it's difficult to assess. Yeah. I um yeah, I'll do like little projects and experiments experiments like that are fun over FPL. Like I used to uh this would have been like three or four years ago now, there was a guy on YouTube called FPL Dare, I think his name was, and he literally had like a wheel or a box where he pulled things out and they had different dares for each week. So one would be say oh. something like play your triple captain chip or captain a defender, captain your keeper, transfer out your highest value player. He had thirty eight different ones. <laughs> And we draw one out each week. And the first year he did it, he finished really high. Like top 10, it might even be really? top 10K. Yeah, yeah. Just a couple of things oh happened where yeah. he drew out like sell your most expensive player and he had to sell Salah, for example. But it just coincided with like four game weeks where Salah blanked. There were just a few things. And then the second year he did it, he did terribly. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it was good fun. Um, yeah. Um, we'll just do some, there's just a few quick fire ones from Twitter that we'll just run through to sure. finish. So one from Pete at FPL Marmalade. Great name. Jammy player, probably. Um, you clearly <laughs> like using modeling and Python to solve FPL problems. Why waste time, so to speak, on FPL and not do it for other fantasy sports slash football like DraftKings where you could probably make a living from it? Yeah, what's your thoughts on that setup? Because you mentioned you do play other fantasy sports earlier. I I, I actually do now. Um, mm. In past, I wasn't able to do it because my visa status in the United States prevented mm. me to have an, any other income sources, including, you know, betting or fantasy mm. games besides my actual job. Uh, so, but that changed. So now I'm able to play other fantasy games too. Um, and yeah, I'm actually trying my chances in other, okay. other things too. But I mean, people sometimes think that I'm wasting my time in FPL in general because I'm trying so hard to optimize these teams. I'm sharing them. And then maybe sometimes they are, you know, doing really bad. So they are kind of like maybe feeling bad uh, for me. Uh, I should just want to mention that. I mean, my, I think my purpose in FPL was introducing optimization and how cool optimization is to, to people. I mean, we have been talking about optimization or the optimal solution throughout the last seasons. I mean, as always comes up with a weird tweet about like criticizing optimization or optimal solution. And then we start talking about for a week, usually happens in an international break. So that's actually very useful because I ended up getting some messages from uh, like high school students who are applying colleges that they chose operations research or industrial engineering as their major because they found this whole thing very cool. And I got an email from a parent of a 12 years old who's developing his own prediction model and he wanted to use my own my uh, optimization model. So he was following the tutorials. I mean, things like these are much more, uh, so it's like instant gratification. So I, yeah. I enjoy hearing about it. I prefer like getting these kind of like messages emails to getting a 10k finish probably yeah. or even like a 1k finish yeah well you're, you're, yeah you're definitely doing a very good job of it um yeah a lot of people really value what you do on twitter that's great um we actually have a question from baz who you do your podcast with who says who is a, who, who is ahead in your head to head competition link i presume i know the answer to that he's one ahead, yeah five yeah. one he's leading but yeah that <laughs> will that, change hopefully okay what's that head to competition what's that to do with 
predicting results. Yeah, head to head competition. Yeah, we're just oh, checking head -head. Our, oh, so each week who wins. Yeah. Each week, yeah, we are checking who who got the highest point. And he was lucky five game weeks. That shouldn't have happened. Yeah. With FPL Trini, guy called Nick says optimal wildcard in eight. We probably don't have enough time to discuss that, but a lot of what we've already discussed will kind of some of the players we've discussed mm -hmm. bringing in this week we'll we'll have touched on that. So we'll leave that one. Um Jack uh, Bones FPL. Uh <laughs> In the fruitless search each week for more optimal solutions, we're constantly making questionable decisions. For example, models favouring a striker on a relegation candidate with a double versus a striker for the likely champions with a single. <laughs> uh, yeah, Morris or Haaland, which one would you cap if you own them both? Does that help? Uh, so Jack actually asked this question because he knows that the more optimal as a phrase triggers me. Uh, <laughs> like Because optimal by definition means the best. So more <laughs> the best. Yeah, it, yeah, it just triggers me in general. But yes, uh, so when it comes to optimal decision making, whichever model you are following, whichever player has the highest EV, that's the optimal one. But when we are saying optimal, we are optimizing for average case. So don't forget that we are optimizing for average case. In average, we expect Morris to get more points, for example. But there's also things like call, things like called robust optimization where you are trying to maximize your worst case scenario. And it's obvious that then if you are using robust optimization, then you need to Captain Holland because, I mean, at the worst case, I mean, you will be moving with everyone else. So I don't mind going against Holland, but yeah, if my ensemble data says Morris is ahead, I don't see a reason why not. That yeah. I would captain him. So do you always use that? Do you generally use that ensemble data to decide your captain, which is a mixture of models? And I usually... I usually use FPL review at the end of the day because that's okay. what Trout is using so that he just tells me that do you want to choose this guy as the captain? I, I say yes. I haven't seen, but I'm always checking with ensemble data to see if there's a significant difference. So if review says that this guy is the best, but all the remaining model says that yeah. that guy is not the best, then yeah. I will probably tell Trout that, you know, maybe we should consider this other guy. I don't feel comfortable, but so far, I mean, Mikhail Tokbaum's algorithm uh, correlates quite a bit with FBI review. Mm. So usually ensemble data then pulls ahead, pull, pulls towards that direction anyway at the end of the day. So I, I haven't seen any like clear distinction so far, you know, comparing review to my ensemble data. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, yeah, cool. I think um, if it was me, I would, I think I probably would Captain Morris um, for me, I think that's the best decision, but it is, just based on review, it's really close. There's maybe like 0.2 EV in it. Um, so if you have different expected mins, and we'd always encourage people to adjust that based on their own thoughts, then uh, yeah, you could absolutely go for Haaland. I think either, either way you could go for Haaland, 0.2 is not a lot. And if you're just want to be a bit more risk averse, then that's absolutely, yeah, that's fine. Exactly. That's both are, both, both are per perfectly, perfectly good decisions. Yeah, both of them. Um, exactly. Yeah, one more question from N Onstat. Um, you got called Eric on Twitter. Do models prefer Son and Trippier or Salah and Cheap? As things stand, I rate Son as an alternative captain. Um, I guess firstly on that one, I would say, yeah, Son definitely is a good alternative captain in one of the game weeks in particular. I can't remember which one it is off the top of my head now. Game week nine, I think. Um, I can't remember who's got. Luton, I think. Or Sheffield United, one mm -hmm. of the two. The Luton, yeah, he just played Sheffield United. So yeah, Son's absolutely a great option. But I would just say this is a very like simple... It's a very like A or B question for something that isn't like that. It's possible you could have three or four of those players. Um, so, I do, but yeah, if I had to choose, uh, I would go Salah plus cheap 
uh, in the long run <laughs> yeah. for the next seven or eight game weeks if I had to commit to one of those things I would just go for Salah plus a cheaper um, Newcastle defender for example um, yeah, if it is I just agree. A or B um, great I think it, we'll end it there I just wanted to cover one more thing um, yeah for those of you who listen regularly or follow me on Twitter will know that um, yeah I've not been on the podcast the last couple of weeks um, yeah my dad sadly is very unwell and that's happened in, in the last couple of weeks um, so I just wanted to just like thank everyone I've had a lot of messages from people listen to, who listen to the podcast or follow me on Twitter um, yeah just, pe- just people being really kind and just seeing how I am and yeah I just really wanted to say thank you to people for that big thanks to kind of Seb and uh, Ben and Luke for <laughs> filling in and doing the podcast as well I really appreciate it um, and yeah and dad is just as a quick update um, dad uh, he has uh, brain cancer, but in the last few days he had some successful surgery, so that's really good. And we're just trying to celebrate those little things um, uh, along the way uh, as well. So I really appreciate everyone's messages. It's been a yeah really tough last few weeks. And yeah, on top of all those nice messages I've had, <laughs> in fact, on the left, what you can see here is Dad's expected points versus his actual points, which is probably the worst <laughs> graph you've ever seen. Um, I included that just so coincidentally while this all happened my dad's FPL team went viral about four or five weeks ago because I shared it because it was so hilarious uh, and then when we've had found out this yeah, awful news I thought well we discussed all oh, can we make some good of a horrendous situation so I'm doing this thing where I'm donating a pound to uh, brain tumor research for every five points his team gets um, and other people just have just been making random one-off donations um, so I just yeah, wanted to say a massive thanks for that as well and I think particularly on FPL Twitter there's lots of bad things well there are some bad things about the FPL community not many um, but yeah I've kind of definitely seen the best of it in the last few weeks so for anyone listening um, yeah in general thanks so much for all those who have reached out to me um, as well yeah I really appreciate it um, so yeah thanks very much for that um, Sertal thanks so much for, for joining us really appreciate it we'll definitely have to get you on another time as well either this season or another season um, yeah just really 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 insightful um, if yeah, for those of you who haven't listened to F- FPL Optimized podcast, yeah, please give that um, a listen uh, as well. Um, it's a yeah, really good podcast. And it's, it's pretty different to this one because me and Luke said Ben, we find that we do a lot of agreeing with each other, which is a downside to the pod <laughs> because we play in a similar way. Whereas I think you guys have more disagreements, which is interesting in lots of ways as well. Um, so yeah, they're very different podcasts. So uh, I would 100% listen to FPL Optimized. Um, really good pod. Um, yeah, and just yeah, thanks for joining Sertal. Anything you wanted to say just to finish? No, but like, thank you for inviting me. It was a pleasure and privilege to join you uh, in this episode. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Perfect. Thanks, everyone.